Sitting again with <laughs> Raisa Katona Bennett. Did I get that right? Pretty close. Re,、uh, what did I? Re- It's Raisa. Raisa. Raisa Katona Bennett, <laughs>、um, who was with us way back in episode one twenty nine when she was doing War Brides for Nymph. Yep. And she has just released her third cabaret CD. Can't help singing the music of Jerome Kern. This is her third CD. She's also got another kind of light, which I believe is what we're going to be playing some, mostly some songs from, because there's some special new songs written for you on that one. Yes. And、uh, her first CD was what, what I was dreaming of. Correct. So, in addition, she just closed、uh, the first New England production of Fun Home.、Mm-hmm. First regional New England production. First regional、yeah. New England production as an actress at the Music、um, Theater of Connecticut. If you were a Phantom of the Opera head, she、uh, was the stand-in for Christine for several years. She has led several Broadway tours. So you are a working actress. I am <laughs> working hard. You you have the dream that there are many people out there hoping for. Yes, I I do, and I must tell you, actually, one of the songs、uh, on that second CD、um, is called "It's Possible" from Susical the Musical.、Mm-hmm. And on my website, there's a a whole、um, there's a YouTube video, a whole routine of a monologue that I do that's 100% true, leading into that song. Because、mm-hmm. I've always had、yeah. this dream, and my parents just said, you know, it's, you know, you got a lovely voice, but let's be honest, there's too much competition. You know, isn't that I think every aspiring theater? I, I mean, I find it much more rare to find the parents that are all gung ho and supportive. I don't. I honestly,、um, I seem to have run into more. People that did have extremely supportive、oh, really? parents, yeah. I don't resent that they、yeah. didn't. Just I was like, I'll show you. I'm going to try, and、yeah. you know, I'm certainly not going to do it if I don't try. So, yeah. yeah. So, first, let's talk a little bit about、um, your latest CD and the Can't Help Singing. What what inspired this? When did you do this?、Uh, back in、uh, back in 2011, I did、um, my first、uh, headlining role、uh, run at Feinstein's at Lowe's Regency. And I did the music of Joan Kern, and I、um, I started out back then. They 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 hired me to do a run, and I just thought, well, what do I want to sing about this time? Because I've been doing cabaret now for for quite a while,、um, and、uh, and I just listed like the top ten songs that came to my mind that I love to sing that were more based on the Ameri- Great American Songbook. Because I do the other sh- shows I've done previous were more,、um, for lack of a better word, esoteric. My more.、Uh, New singer songwriters within the American、yeah. theater canon, as well as you know pop and cabaret. But I wanted to do something that was more traditional. And and out of ten songs, really five turned out to be by Jerome Kern. And、yeah. so I wanted to do that. And so I did, and I just recorded it, a live version of it. And we just had the CD release、yeah. a mere seven years later. <laughs> a little, little life things got in the way, dealing with some family issues, and you know, family, you know, what we all deal with at certain times in our life. And I was like, well, I just have to put that on hold and take care of my family stuff. So I had the time to finally get back to doing it. So that's what inspired it. Actually, was just、yeah. loving that music of that of that genre and wanting to record it. So, do you? In, how hard is it to balance, you know, booking, you know, your cabaret gigs between your like, kind of professional acting gigs, and how、um, do you balance all of that? You know, this this past、uh, month has been the hardest time I've had balancing it because I had contracted to do these two dates at the Lower Beachman Theater when I got cast in Fun Home at the Music Theater of Connecticut, and. Foolishly, perhaps I decided to do both at the same time. So as I said to you off radio, I'm I'm、uh, coming down from it right now. I was I keep sleeping because、yeah. it was like I was doing so much at once. But typically,、um, the great thing about doing cabaret and concert work、mm-hmm. is that you can schedule it in those times when you're not working in theater. And in fact, part of the reason why I went into doing cabaret, aside from always loving the art form and loving the intimacy and breaking the fourth wall. Was because there was two reasons. One, I was learning a lot of new theater music、uh, in Craig Carnelia's acting class many years ago,、mm-hmm. and I wanted to share it. And the other part was that I was transitioning from ingenue to and young leading lady to older leading lady in character,、mm-hmm. and there was a period of time there where there was not a lot for me, and I needed to keep performing.、Mm-hmm. 
So it was a great, a great way for me to keep fresh and to keep, keep on stage. So I think it can be a challenge to balance it, but you can find ways to do it. So how is, you've done a lot of touring. Mm-hmm. How is life on the road? How do you keep I your voice in it. shape? How do you keep, you know? Well, I am, I am very strict with myself. When I'm, when I'm performing a lot, singing a lot, I never drink. I don't do caffeine. Um, I do enjoy a cocktail, don't get me wrong. Yeah. <clears throat> but I never do when I'm, when I'm performing that much. Uh, you can hear a little gravel in my voice right now. That's because I did have a martini in closing night. And this is what it does to me. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, but uh, touring back when I did a lot of touring, I really enjoyed. You, you, once you actually packed everything up and you had it with you, it was easy because it just went with you from, from town to town. What I loved about doing particularly like the first national tour of, of Cats was that we sat down in a town for two to three months at a time. Okay, yeah. That was- and so it was, you got to know these beautiful cities, you know, uh, we're, we're in uh, Denver and, and Boston and Washington, D.C. and Philadelphia. So we got to be in major cities and really, really enjoy them, San Francisco. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, you're traveling with your, your theatrical family, which was wonderful. You got, I loved it. I absolutely loved it. When the, the most recent tour I did was a lot, was actually just before 9-11, believe it or not, um, was Parade, the first national tour of Parade. Uh, and coincidentally, the man who played Bruce, my husband at Fun Home, yeah. Greg Roderick, was in that tour with okay. me 18 years, 18 years ago. Um, and that was an amazing experience as well. Such great uh, subject matter. We were very blessed to have Jason Robert Brown and Hal Prince and Alfred Jury and Pat Birch, the original team from the Broadway company, on board. And Jason was actually our musical director and conductor every night. So that was amazing. But not long after we closed that tour, um, I was doing cabaret things a bit and headlining on cruise ships. And my husband said to me, uh, literally <clears throat> on the day after 9-11, as we were still watching, the, the smoke and my husband's a doctor and he'd been at the hospital all night and I'd been at the Red Cross all, all night. He said, you think you're going to stop touring so much now and stay home? And I said, yeah, okay. Because you just, everything was brought into perspective yeah. that day. It's like, well, what's, what's more important? And that is when I really started um, focusing a lot on, on doing cabarets. So I thought between the times that I can do theatrical gigs that are close to home or Broadway or off-Broadway, because I've done three off-Broadway shows in the last several years. Um, I, wanted to, I wanted to stay on stage. So, but I, when I was doing it, I really did love it. I, I, I'm not as compelled to tour now. I mean, I have a full life. I have four senior dogs. I'm very active in, in uh, dog rescue, especially focusing on, on senior dogs. And um, I have a senior father that I have to take <laughs> care of. Um, <clears throat> so... So touring right now is not the best best thing for me. So possibly something in the future, though. Again, possibly. Um, There's some of those grand dame roles that you're not yet at. Yeah. I could. <laughs> yeah. Listen, if the right thing came along, <laughs> and especially if it was a tour that sat down, like a first national once again. Yeah, I don't think I'd be that compelled to be doing anything that was like a week here and a week there. But you know, never say never. Yeah. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, who knows if it's the right thing, right? <laughs> <clears throat> so before we go on, why don't we? Do you want to talk about want to lay a song from another kind of light? Your CD. Sure. Um, <clears throat> one of my favorite things. Excuse me. <clears throat> I was having a. I have two songs on there written for me by Michael John Lacuse, so original songs. And we were just speaking about how I was transitioning from ingenue into older leading lady, etc. And I was having coffee with him one day, uh, and. I was telling him, he said he was, was going to write me a song, and what did I want him to write about? And I said, you know, I'd had this epiphany one night. I'd, I had gone to, um, to a nightclub. It was actually, actually, it was an open mic. Uh, and I was watching this young girl on stage, and there was a mirror behind her. And she was singing a song, and she was wearing the quintessential ingenue outfit, you know, the white shirt with the little puff sleeves back that what we wore when I was in ingenue, mm-hmm. a little, little full skirt and little, you know, Mary Jane's shoes. And, and I, she was singing, she was sweet. She was a real sweet little soprano. And I remember looking at her and going, Oh, wow, that's me. And then I saw myself in the mirror <laughs> behind her and I went, Oh no, that's me now. And it was like, 
oh my God, it was huge. It was a huge moment, a huge epiphany with me. And I was with a good friend of mine. I said, okay, I'm not sure if I'm elated or depressed or what, but I had <laughs> all these feelings. And I went home and I told my husband, and I said, wow, this was, this was a big moment for me to realize that this is a real shift. And I was telling Michael John about it. He said, oh my God, that's what I'm going to write you the song about. So he wrote me the song called Bye Bye Ingenue, which um, was actually the center of my second headlining row at Feinstein's, uh, headlining run at Feinstein's uh, several years ago. And it's, it's an amazing song. And so that would be one that I think would be a good one to play. Right, let's take a listen. I see her at the club one night, a blonde and pretty thing. She hands the pianist her book, and then she starts to sing. She has a sweet soprano. She's learning, but she's good. I get the sense she's got the drive to make it knock on wood. Behind her is a mirror that reflects the audience. Among the crowd, I spot a face I know. I recognize that face. It's a version of that girl, an ingenue whose age has started to show. I watch myself, watching what I was, and say to myself, well, damn.
We'll be right back to this interview after a brief word from our sponsors. Special thanks to our travel sponsor. Are you looking at majoring in theater for a career as a creative artist? I've created a program at the University of Providence in Montana that is designed to meet your goals. If you want to be an artist, you are an entrepreneur. And our BA in Theater and Business Arts is designed for you to learn essential business skills with classes specifically designed for theater artists. You'll also explore different artistic skills to help you develop your talents. And our productions are very student-driven, with a real focus on students creating their own work, so you know how to do that once you graduate. With a senior creative project of your choice and a business senior project of developing your own five-year business plan for your career, after graduation, you'll know exactly what your next steps are. UP also has some great programs like a four-year graduation guarantee and a student loan repayment assistance program. If you'd like to find out more, click on our sponsor link at broadwaybullet.com. Special thanks to our location sponsor. Writers need a full community of support in order to do their important work. That's where DGF steps in. The Dramatist Guild Foundation is a national charity that fuels the future of American theater by supporting playwrights, composers, lyricists, and book writers at all stages of their careers. They do this by sponsoring educational programs, providing emergency aid to writers in need, and offering a free rehearsal space where I recorded this episode. In April of this year, DGF launched its New Voices program, which brought trained teaching artists into fourth grade classrooms. These artists led the students in the collaborative creation of their own plays, which were then performed for the school by professional actors. It is crucial that young students are given proper access and training in theater to share their stories and learn the power of their own voices. If you'd like to help support DGF in fostering the writers of tomorrow, please visit dgf.org and be sure to follow them on Twitter at dgfound. Now, back to our interview in progress. All right. Wonderful. <laughs> Thank you. That was fantastic. It's, it, it's a great song. It's a great song. As a matter of fact, um, Katie Selvin of the Mabel Mercer Foundation uh, asked me to sing it several years ago at the cabaret convention at Lincoln Center. Uh, they do a convention every year. And um, she was just she was just so blown away by it. She, she's a former ingenue as well. And, uh, you know, it's one of the things that we face as actors. You know, talking about, I had this conversation with the little girl that just played uh, small Allison in Fun Home. She's 11. Mm-hmm. And she was all concerned at the end of the show um, as to how long she'd be able to get to do the role, again, you know, because she's yeah. tall and she's getting it there. And I said, you know, that's the bittersweet thing. And I asked, asked her if she knew what the term bittersweet meant. Yeah. And she did. Uh, I said, because about being an actor or an actress, you get to a point in your life and you go, okay, wow, and now I'm, I'm too old for that role now. My big epiphany for that was Louisa was one of my favorite roles in The Fantastic. And I just went, oh, it's just such a sweet, sweet time. And you go, okay, it's, it's a beautiful memory and it's time to move on to some other things. But there's, I mean, I know everybody in real life goes through it too, but as an actor, there yeah. are defining moments where you just go, that's, that's in the past now, you know? Yeah, well, our bodies are <clears throat> part of our instrument. Oh, know, 100%. And, yeah, and that's so big. Telling a story. I mean, what I try, I try to tell, you know, actors I train and stuff, they go, you can't control it, but you need to be aware of it. Yeah. And it's not something that you can get upset about, but, how, you know, how you appear is part of telling a story, especially when you get down to the, some of the smaller roles. Yes. When you're only a small thing. It is important for the director to cast somebody that they think is going to, with a lead, yeah, you got like a lot of time that you can maybe change an audience's mind sometime if, mm-hmm. the, if the director and producer are open-minded about type. But often with those small roles... Got to plug you in. The stereotypes serve a purpose in storytelling. It's yeah. unfortunate, and, and we hate it, but at the same time, they serve a purpose so that story doesn't have to be sure. four hours long to tell you what's up. <laughs> and stereotypes exist because they exist, <laughs> you know? <clears throat> so, yeah, I agree. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but also, we learn so much from those roles mm-hmm. in our future, and they define part of who we are going forward. Yeah. So, they're great. Yeah. So um, let's play another song from from the album. Uh, what do you think would be a good one to do? You know what? Um, there's a beautiful song written by Ron Abel, who was my producer on this and an amazing musical director, and Chuck Abel, <clears throat> excuse me, called Waiting for a Westbound Train. 
And that had never been recorded before. They had, did not write it for me, but they, I was looking through their, their catalog of songs saying, geez, I'd love to put something by you guys on here. And they said they thought that'd be a good fit for me. And it, it's sort of along the same lines of, of leaving home and, and going for your dreams and, and, and what you're leaving behind. It's a very powerful uh, ballad with a drive to it. So I think that could be an interesting one. Yeah, let's take a listen. She sat there waiting for a westbound train Lost in memories that dull the pain She grabbed what she could Of all that was good <laughs> Wonderful. So, um, being involved in touring and Broadway for a long time, have you noticed any major changes in how things kind of 
work in the business from your perspective as an actress? Yeah, there's been so many changes lately. <clears throat> and it's, it's been, it's really hit me um, in a strange way because, as I said, during these last several years where I was not working as much as I was transitioning, um, now you sign up online for auditions. You know, mm -hmm. you're not, back in the day, I was going and getting up at four in the morning and waiting online, you know, to you get You don't in. have to do that anymore? You know, <laughs> well, you don't. Yeah. But the other thing is, I, yeah. none of my none yeah, well, you're, of my you're past waiting at four a.m. But uh, I, well, no, but but still, up until about mm, six years ago, I would still get up and just go wait online. Not that early, yeah. but I was like, I would get up and go and wait online. It's like if I get in, I get in, and you know, um, or be seen as an alternate or whatnot. None of the big jobs I ever got did I get through an agent. I never had an agent until recently. Believe wow. it or not. Um, I had I had I had an agent for for a little bit, but I'd already done my big shows at that point. So I never had the luxury of getting a call saying, "Hey, um, you know, you got a call at two o'clock tomorrow or next week, and here's the sides." I was always going to EPAs. So the changes now are uh, I still try to go to them because mm -hmm. even though I'm well represented by Firestarter Entertainment, which is a wonderful new agency, uh, we're all working at the same time. You you, you can't just sit at home and wait for your agent to call you. You have yeah. to self-submit. Now there's actors access that you go online and uh, you see the, the roles that are right for you. One of the gentlemen in, in the show with me just now, Anthony Crocelli, taught me about this. He played our Roy and all the other uh, characters. Um, he showed me how you can go to actors access and and have it uh, curate the, the, the parts that are right for you. So you're not listen, looking through hundreds. I didn't know this. I, I'm learning a lot right now because of the technology. And, as and, much, and theater and Broadway <clears throat> is always the last to adapt. Anybody yeah. who's probably listening from like the tech world is probably going, yeah, this stuff is like 20 years old. I know, right? <laughs> I mean, it's about time that we didn't have, that we could do it online. But there's a whole other set of issues because I, yeah. when I first you know, started trying to sign up online, I was like, unless you're actually at your computer mm -hmm. at 12 o'clock on the day that they go live, you're shut out as well. <laughs> so I was, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting. There's, there's a lot to learn. So there's that that makes that easier. The new audition center is lovely. I mean, the what equity. What is this? I haven't. Well, the, I mean, it's new. It's like yeah. the last 10 years. Um, equity totally uh, renovated its space. And, and, and so it's, it's great. I mean, it's, it's very comfortable. Back when I was auditioning yeah. a lot before then, <clears throat> you were, could be going, I mean, equity was still always yeah. nice, but I mean, now there's like places to get coffee and you have Wi-Fi and, you know, you really could go and hang out there during the day. I mean, it's so much nicer. I remember, you know, like I said, getting up really, yeah. really in the morning, going to some real seedy studios to audition. So uh, it's an easier world in that way, I think. Mm -hmm. um, also, uh, so many kids come out of college represented by agents now. I mean, they have showcases mm -hmm. and... Uh, agents come to them and, and, you know, and I think in many ways probably it's, it might be even tougher now than it ever was because there's just I always so wonder many. about though, you know, about <clears throat> that because, I mean, really, agents get paid when you get work. Yeah. And and I always wonder with those colleges how much of those those showcases that they're bringing kids on and agents actually signing somebody is really just a dog and pony show. I don't to know. To make the program look thing. I mean, if these agents are really kind of going to bat for these students, or if now they're just locked into an agent who's not really doing anything. I, I, I couldn't say because I, that's yeah. not been my, been my experience, but um, I mean, I've just, I just finished working with a lot of young people that are signed with mm -hmm. agents, and I'm like, wow, okay, good for you, mm -hmm. you know? Uh, it, you know, I didn't have that experience. I, kids are, I can't say they're more talented yeah. now, but back, you know, when I was in high school and stuff, I was not a dime a dozen. There were not that many kids in in my environment that really wanted to go and make their living in theater and i now even when i used to do meet the artist seminars and mm -hmm. it, so many kids are, are are being maybe it's maybe it's the the era of you know glee and oh god what was the mm -hmm. one the 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 show that was oh gosh i'm um maryland the one the maryland monroe yeah, yeah 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 i actually watched that smash I, I, smash yeah mm -hmm. i mean there's this and, and, of course, people that really were in this is like, okay, that's not really how this happens. Yeah. But it gets, there, there's a, an excitement that there's more, I believe, more young people thinking, oh, great, this is something I can do. And they're really, really trying for it. So there's more training than ever before everywhere. I, there was no training when I was, when I was growing up. There were no 
there were no Broadway boot camps and stuff, or, <laughs> uh, nothing like that ever. So I, I don't know. I, I, I think it seems like these kids are coming into the city well trained ahead of time. You know, I didn't get any of it until I got here <laughs> when I was in my twenties. So. So where did where did you come here from? Connecticut, actually. I was okay. I was born in Norwalk, Connecticut, and grew up uh, until I was ten there, and then moved to Wallingford, Connecticut. Uh, and interesting, I mentioned that only because right now my husband and I bought a house about a year ago back in Norwalk, Connecticut, mm-hmm. uh, which is so strange to me. But um, there was no thriving theater during that time. In fact, my senior year of high school, there was no musical because the stage was condemned, uh, so they couldn't do it. Um, I never did a lead in any. I did chorus in Mame and chorus in George M. That was the two musicals I did in high school. That was it. There was nothing. There were no. There was no drama program to speak of. So you yeah. know, anything I got was just like seat in my pants and trying to just take you know lessons and and auditioning. I actually, my first summer stock season, I um, I was dating uh, this fella and he asked me. I had a car. And I was teaching school already. I was—I had my degrees in music education and voice from Hart College of Music, and um, because I knew I wanted to perform. Mm-hmm. But I thought, well, I, let me have this teaching degree. And I loved teaching too, and I loved kids. So I—I uh, I was teaching. It was my first year teaching, and I had just finished doing a semi-professional production of *The Most Happy Fella*, and had fallen in love with the guy playing Herman. His name was Frank Mastrone. And in fact, we were married for mm-hmm. eight years, um, and we're still friends. He's a wonderful actor, and. He asked me if I would drive him to the NETCs, the New England Theater Conferences, up in Boston, because I had a car. Mm-hmm. And and he says, I have because I have an audition slot. Maybe we can get you one too. And I got like this um, alternate slot. And so it was my first time auditioning for anything like that. I didn't even have a headshot. Yeah. And we were we were offered roles at all the same places. And we took the Booth Bay Harbor Dinner Theater. So that was my first professional summer season. Um, and up until then, all I had done was ensemble in George M., <laughs> Mame, and Most Happy Fella. And so I had everything that I, any training I got at that point was on the job, you know? So there's so much more available now. These <laughs> kids are so lucky. I'm jealous. <laughs> <laughs> so um, let's play one more song from your, from the CD. So there's several new ones on here, so... Let me see. Um, good, my uh, musical director for this album, David Caldwell, uh, wrote two songs on there as well. One is called, what the CD is, is named after, is Another Kind of Light. It's actually called A Tomb with a View. And uh, the other one is called I Carry Your Heart, which was, is E.E. E. Cummings. He wrote that for me to sing to his wife at his wedding. But the other one is the one I think you should play. A Tomb of the View is based on uh, Robert Fulgham's All I Need to Know I Learned in Kindergarten. Mm-hmm. Um, and Fulgham gave them, David and um, Ernie, Mill Mountain Theater. They did the very first. Uh, did you say Mill Mountain Theater? Yeah. It was in Virginia? Roanoke? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I went, to, I went to grad school at Hollins. Oh, okay. So they, they gave them permission to do, people have been asking for years if they could musicalize uh, all I needed to know, or everything. Oh, I always get this wrong. It's either everything I needed to know or all I needed to know. Right? <laughs> Forgive me. I do. Yeah. This is a bit that Dave and I do. He goes, you really should get the title of the book right because it is one of my favorite books. <laughs> um, <clears throat> it was the first book that my husband read to me. He used to write, read it to me when we were first dating. I was singing on a ship. Anyway, I digress. <laughs> um, he used to read from that book. Um, and Robert Fulgham gave them permission to musicalize it. And David wrote the the lyrics and the music to this song, uh, "A Tomb with a View," and it is a it, it is a, a true story. If you if you're familiar with that book at all, it's a series of essays uh, that Fulgham writes, and he uh, it, it's it's a great song. It, it's a it's a wonderful song, and I think it sums up a lot about uh, life and my honestly my take on life and 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 my spiritual beliefs too. And it's it's a beautiful song. And just the fun part about it is that um, Robert Fulgham ended up marrying David Caldwell to Alyssa Chase. Uh, I think it's been about 10 years ago now. Um, so I got to meet him uh, finally. Um, so it kind of came full circle. But I think that's a wonderful song, and I think you would enjoy that. All right. Take a listen. A while back I thought I'd buy his 
cemetery plot. They were running a special. The most important thing in the evaluation of real estate is location, location, location. But I thought it's a grave. Who cares about the view? Resale value seemed pretty trivial too. Well, I bought my plot, and now I visit the spot from time to time. When I feel that I'm getting too caught up in the old rat race, paying my respects at my final resting place. Always untwists the snarls in my mind when I forget what's important amidst the daily grind. Recently, I noticed two gravestones present near my own heart: Jacob Grimm and Edith Pleasant, being buried between Grimm and Pleasant has a certain cachet. Wouldn't you say? Once late at night, I walked to the site, bringing my favorite blanket along with me. I stretched out on my grave. I made a startling discovery. This grave has an incredible view, looking straight up. Starlight had chameleons of light years for me to see. I was struck by the heavens' magnitude and complexity, and I realized I'm a part of that geometry. I've never liked the verse that said, "Dust thou art, to dust thou shalt return." Interchangeable with light, humanity is dreams, hopes, and fears, bliss and melancholy, held together by wisdom, pulled apart by folly. We're so much more than dust. The Bible verse should say instead, "Miracle thou art, and to mystery thou shalt return." This light that I'm seeing started toward me before I came into being. The stars may have died out long before this night. My life gives off another kind of light. That light may shine on. Yeah, it's it's we're we're energy interchangeable with light is 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 the lyric that I just love the most from that. Um, it's just yeah, and and as actors, I think that that's an important thing to remember too. And we have an opportunity um, by being on any kind of a stage to to shed a light on so many issues. It's something we were discussing recently in the cast of Fun Home um, up in Connecticut. It's just that. It's such an important show. Uh, I love it, and it, the chance to shed a light on on the issues of you know being who you are, you know, being able to identify as who you truly are, whether you're gay, straight, bisexual, 
um, transgender. If if the people in the fun home lived in the kind of world we're living in now, which is still not necessarily easy, um, how many tragedies could have been avoided? What would have happened? You know, so we have an opportunity to to shine a light on so many social issues and important things need to be brought to light. And I think that's one of the things I love most about being an actor and being a performer. So you just wrapped up two things now with Fun Home and your cabaret. Do you have yeah. your next thing lined up? I have been working on, um, I just, uh, I'm, I'm hoping he's going to send it to me. I'll put him on the spot. I, <laughs> I did um, a wonderful show called Devil in the Deep for Theater East, which is a wonderful non-for-profit, uh, socially conscious theater company here in New York. Uh, and it was, um, the book was by Melissa Bell, and the, the musical lyrics were by um, Graham... Uh, Oh, Graham Russell from Air Supply, oh, who I was crazy about. And I've done two, show, two shows, actually, by Graham now. Uh, and this is based loosely on um, Treasure Island. So I became a Theater East company member, and uh, just because I just love the socially conscious theater they do. And uh, Judson Jones, the artistic director, said, oh, I have a script I'm going to send you for something in the fall. So I hope he gets sends that to me. But I've also been working on a new musical called uh, Kalevala, I may not be saying right, or they say Galevala, it's Finnish. Um, it's based on the epic national poem of Finland, which was the source material for the Tolkien trilogy, The Hobbit, uh, as, as well as many other things. And um, this one, uh, Johanna uh, Tallender, is, is the uh, composer, and um, she reached out to me about this. We had actually been in an acting class together, and she remembered me and said she'd been writing this role, and she thought of me for it. And so we've done several um, concert versions of it to kind of just see how it's going. And now the first, uh, working on a stage reading of it for this, sometime this spring, summer, I'm not sure when it's going to happen, but uh, we just did a table read. And it, it's fascinating, fascinating, powerful material. And she's written just beautiful music. Um, her vision is to do, have it be very interactive and in, include a lot of performance arts, pieces so uh I, i'm along for the ride for now and see what see what see, as long as i'll have me and see what happens with it so um i love being i love being in on the ground of of the new stuff i've always loved it like, like this cd again i love my two mm -hmm. other two but i just love new works i love the creative process and um that's primarily what i've been doing for the last several years Fun Home is the first established book musical that I've done in, in many years. And that was a joy to just get in there and say, oh, it's already written and I yeah. can just dig in. But it is really wonderful to create roles. So that's, that's the thing that's on the table right now. That and um, getting back to horseback riding. <laughs> now, you live in Montana now. Yes. Do, you, do you ride? No. Oh, God. <laughs> I have ridden, but I don't ride. It's, it's, <laughs> it's kind of in my, my husband's mind obsession for the last several years because um, we're finally at a place in life where we could where we could ride and uh, we ride two or three times a week but since I've been working on the show and everything I haven't been able to and I'm, I'm, I'm in withdrawal from it. <laughs> it's the most meditative thing I do because you're just so completely at one with with the animal, you know, with, with the horse. So uh, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to get back to that and, and uh, get my house finished up. We're doing some renovations. So there's a lot of life stuff that got put on hold. And, you know, that's the balance yeah. you're talking about. You know, how do you balance your life? And, and when you're younger as an actor, um, and I always, I always say this to, to younger actors, like, you know, go for it with all you can before you have responsibilities, mm -hmm. before you've got, you know, a, a husband and a mortgage and kids and whatever. Just go for it. You know, when you're just responsible for yourself, that's the time to do it. Because then later on yeah. in life, things change, and you're like, you know what? It's not just about me anymore. So, so I'm, enjoying, I'm enjoying that balance. I'm enjoying that. So I have two questions I'm asking everybody. Okay. You know this. And the first is, uh, you know, for actor-centric, what kind of creative artistic piece of advice would you have for somebody new to acting trying to? <sighs> somebody that's new to acting. Like a young person, or uh, well, I mean, okay. I'm new to the career, maybe out of college or they're, okay. they're training, but they're they're just coming to like now try to make it a career. From a creative point of view, I think you need to do something creative every single day, whether it's that you are looking into a musical you haven't experienced or a play, or um, you know, listen. Thank God for podcasts now. Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, finding a podcast, you know that that. So that you're 
keeping your education going, you know. You're always bringing new things to your plate. And the reason I asked you specifically about younger people, again, working with this, the kids in this cast, so, some of them had never heard of, of the, you know, War Horse musicals, you know, yeah. the Oklahomas, the Carousels. It's like, you need to know. They need to know about those just as much as I need to educate myself, you know, on the SpongeBob SquarePants <laughs> and things like that. You know, the newer things that I haven't seen yet. Yeah. It's like, I need to immerse myself in that world. I'm aware of that that's something that I've been lacking in. Mm-hmm. Some of it's just having enough time. But, uh, yeah, I think you need to you need to do that. And I think you need to keep your book current, your audition book, whether it's your monologues and your if you're if you're a singer um those pieces as well and and you always have to be working on your instrument you always have to work on your craft like you said earlier your Mm -hmm. body is your instrument it houses your instruments so it needs to be well fed well rested it needs to be exercised Um, i'm amazed at the people that um stop taking voice lessons so young Mm -hmm. it's like your voice is constantly evolving and changing and there's so much that is demanded of you nowadays as a musical theater artist that you really need to have a good technique. And you don't get a technique in college. Your technique continues to build over years. Yeah. There's no way that you say, okay, I've got my technique now. It's like, no, you don't. <laughs> you know, so you need, to keep, you need to keep studying. I think you need to, to keep that, that fresh. Yeah. And the second question is what business piece of advice do you have for not just actors, but anybody artist, how to about how to find time and money to invest in their career and move forward? um, Well, the piece of advice I've always given is you have to create your own structure. It's really easy to not get up every day and, and, you know, you don't have to go actually to work somewhere. So I think it's very important that you create a structure within your day where you have to get up and you do, you know, nowadays it's like, you know, checking online for this or that, what auditions there are, taking a class, uh, uh, that sort of thing. And, and getting out and auditioning, even, you know, even if it's not something that you feel that you 100% are right for, it's an opportunity to perform. It's an opportunity to try something. I got parade because uh, I had heard it was already cast, for example. Uh, and I thought, you know what, I've got a new 16 bars I want to try out here. So I'm going to go to this, qual- this course call, even though I know it's already mm-hmm. cast. And it turns out that they... Still needed a couple <laughs> slots. And by the time I got there, it was so packed, they cut us down to eight bars. Mm-hmm. And I, I thought, well, all right, so I'll practice this in an eight-bar cut. So stuff like that. You need to create that structure. The second thing I'll say nowadays that I never used to say is get a website. Uh, I have gotten so many jobs from people that said I was, you know, I didn't have time to bring you in, but I went to your website. And a lot of, as, that started because I was a cabaret artist. Mm-hmm. A lot of actors still don't have websites. They're not that expensive to get. They're not that hard to do. And if even it just has your your picture, your resume, your, you know, some credits and some YouTube videos of you performing, it's a great thing. With Actors Access now, at least they have that opportunity to put that on there. But I still think it's your calling card nowadays for any business. Yeah. Um, and then as far as keeping yourself going when you're, when you're you know, between jobs, certainly cabaret is not going to make you money. It costs you yeah. money to do that. But it is something that... Um, gives people an opportunity to come see you. Uh, I think it's really important to find something, and this is just for me personally, find something you love to do almost as much <clears throat> as, as theater. Because the day may come when you go, I don't want to do, I'm not willing to make these sacrifices anymore. Um, or you have responsibilities that come in. Uh, <clears throat> for me personally, I mean, I taught voice for many years uh, privately. And then I also taught I was a group fitness instructor. I taught Pilates and I taught mm-hmm. group fitness and I loved it. It was a way that I kept in shape and it was a way for me to perform when I wasn't performing. And I made I thought you're money. heading a different direction mm. with other words, but so I, I just want to pop this in. Please. I, I want to advise my students to <clears throat> have something else they love almost much, but not in terms of a job, but creatively. Something that you can do without, I think so many actors oh. can get frustrated because it quote unquote requires permission. And yes, you can go out and create your own work <clears> and do that, but. Theater is very much a collaborative art. And, yes. You know, and to have something, whether it's playing an instrument or, you know, just writing songs or fiction writing, but I, I think artists should need to have a creative outlet that doesn't require a group as well. I, I agree with you. I'm going to change to an outlet. It doesn't mm-hmm. even have to be necessarily creative yeah. because you use your creativity. I think it, that's what provides balance. I'm passionate mm-hmm. about dog rescue, passionate about it. 
there's not enough hours in the day for me to do all of the things mm-hmm. that interest me, you know, besides theater and singing and horseback riding and dog rescue. And, you know, God forbid, I, I love, you know, cooking for my husband and hanging out with him and, and rollerblading and singing songs with him just for fun. So, yeah, I do think it's really important that you have something else that you do that you are passionate about besides theater, because it also creates more dimensions in you yeah. as an actor and as an interesting person on stage. Um, <clears throat> I won't say what show I was in, but I was in a show after taking a hiatus for a while. Um, and, and I remember coming home to my husband, who's a physician, as I said, and, and saying to him, wow, all anybody talked about backstage <laughs> was this show, that show, this show. I said, it doesn't seem like they have any outside interests. And I, after a while, I was like, isn't there anything else that interests you? I understand the passion for yeah. that, but what else interests you? I think that's what makes you more interesting on stage as well, to have other things that you are involved in that, that make you a whole person. You know, my face is you need something to art about. <clears throat> yes. Yes. Because, <clears throat> and you know, my husband loves to tease me. He'll come home and say, so, um, what did you do today? Do you sing songs? La, 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 la. And I guess, cause I was like doing surgery, you know, I was like, yeah, what you do mm. is really important to help lives. But what I do is what makes life, you know, worthwhile. Yeah. Art is, 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 you know, at the end of the day, people aren't saying, okay, well, I got everything out of my my, my out at the end of their lives, everything is out of my out basket, my in basket, my, my desk is clear. It's like the end of the, your life. You're like, what, what mark have I left upon the world? What are the things that endure over time? And it's usually, it's usually the arts, you know, it's not what the NASDAQ, God knows we need it, but it's, it's, it's we, the arts. Do we? <laughs> well, we do because it helps to support me. So, <clears throat> but yeah, I agree. I, it, it's something to art about. Yeah. That's a great phrase. I like that. I think I'm going to steal yeah. that. Yeah. Please do. I will. I'll credit you, though. All right. Uh, Raissa Katona Bennett. Perfect. All right. Um, three CDs, Another Kind of Light, which we played some songs from. Your brand new CD, The Music of Jerome Kern, Can't Help Singing. And your first CD, What I Was Dreaming Of, all available, I'm assuming, Amazon, iTunes. Amazon, everywhere. iTunes. LML Music is the uh, the producer. The What I Was Dreaming Of is about to be available digitally um, okay. so on uh, through all those, yeah. those sources, too. But yeah, I, I would love it if they checked that out or go to my website and check me out. Yeah. yeah. What's that again? www.rayasakatonabennett.com. All right. Good luck spelling it. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's been a pleasure talking to you, and I, yeah. I hope it's not another 10 years before I chat I with you again. I hope too. Thank you so much. This has been wonderful to see you again. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you.